I'm Sarah Jenner, and this is another episode of Noble Leaders Having Noble Conversations. Today, I'm joined by Marianne Baton, the Director of Strategy and Collaboration at Workplace Strategies for MentalHealth.com, and we're going to be chatting about motivation. And how motivated are you to do this podcast? <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling very motivated, but the funny thing is, as soon as I heard the word motivation, I immediately thought of the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, that's a really interesting thing. I'm thinking about um, the work of Mel Robbins and her saying, mm. we have very finite amounts of willpower, very finite amounts of motivation. Mm -hmm. So if you have nothing much going on in your life, then sure, you can be really motivated to exercise, to eat only healthy food, to call your family members, to do all the things that you think you should do. But... If you have stress in your life because you've got to get up and get the kids ready before you leave for work yourself, that you have to have that commute, that you get to work and you're just slammed for the entire time mm -hmm. with demand, the motivation to do any of those other things are going to be used up. Yeah. So motivation and willpower have to be something that we consider to be a very limited and precious commodity. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think about motivation can be so fleeting sometimes. And I've definitely come to find that um, if I want to get something done, I no longer look for the motivation to do it because it's so fleeting. It's such a fleeting feeling. And that I, I think we're going to share a couple of the books that had helped us and we have different authors who have kind of helped us deal with the motivation. But for me, it was Gary John Bishop's book. And if there are any little kids listening, I'm about to swear. So just put it <laughs> put it on silent for a second. But his book is called Unfuck Yourself. And it was just this weird moment listening to it. Like I'd listened to a lot of self-help books about motivation, but none of them connected. And they all just seemed too passive where he took a very different approach and kind of just called it what it was. I mean, he has his master's of social work. He's Scottish. I feel like he's very blunt. And he was essentially like too many of us walk through life saying, I'm going to do this or I want to do that. And instead, we really need to think about what am I willing to do and what am I unwilling to do and kind of having a more direct approach an honest approach with mm -hmm. yourself you know it's uh, yeah I would really like to be 20 pounds thinner mm -hmm. but not enough that I'm not gonna eat that chocolate bar. yeah so, <laughs> that's been staring it, at me <laughs> right and so it's it, it, the difference is me feeling like a victim mm -hmm. to my weight and me feeling like yeah I'm making a decision that this is the way that I'm going to live right now mm -hmm. takes a lot of the stress away from it takes a lot of the guilt um, self-loathing yeah. away that you go yeah I could be um rail thin but it's not worth it mm -hmm. for some people I think the motivations that or the the things that we are unwilling to do other people like find such satisfaction in. And I think that's okay, right? Is like you said, not being self-loathing, understand we are our own person. I think social media plays a huge role in self-loathing and that we see other people and how they live and we see the best parts of their life. And we think, oh God, if only I could be that, or if only I could do that, or if only I was there in my life. 
And instead of having those thoughts, just thinking, oh, I'm happy they are where they are. And yeah, maybe I might want that someday. And this is how I'm going to work to get there, but not to feel ashamed that you're not at that point. Right. And that's, I think, one of the benefits of working in the field of mental health Mm -hmm. is you get to scratch past the surface of the seemingly perfect lives and understand that we're all going to have times where we're challenged, where we're down, where we're frustrated, where we're overwhelmed. But I think back to, um, again, to Mel Robbins and her work where she says that she watched a NASA rocket ship launch Mm -hmm. and they went five four three two one and off it went she said i wish it was that easy for me five four three two one and off i go to do the things that i don't really want to do and then because she knew what she knew about motivation that it was limited she decided to do that go five four three two one well i read this and i thought oh yeah sure you just go five four three two one like that (laughs) yeah right i'm gonna count down 10 times before i'm ready to do it (laughs) yeah and yet There was this one thing that I have a problem with. I don't like talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. And I decided that when um, usually it's a a relative that is isolated or alone that really loves to chat on the phone, when that person comes to my mind, I'm going to go 54321, pick up the phone and call them. And it works. Mm -hmm. It just because I have made the sort of agreement with myself that when that happens, I'm just going to do it, not think about, am I in the mood? Do I feel like it? Have I got an hour to sit? Just do it. And even if I'm busy that I've got 10 minutes, just say, I've, I've got 10 minutes and I just wanted to check in. How are you doing? It is painless and I feel so much better after. And I think being a victim of Catholic guilt, which I know you are as well, After doing something like that, oh, God, I just feel like a weight is lifted off of me, right? That you're no longer sitting there trying to accomplish another task, but still thinking, oh, I should really do this, but I don't want to, but I really should do this. And having that internal conflict, it's just gone because you've done it and you've completed it. And you probably feel really great after. And that chat was probably so lovely. You know what I mean? That we just build up the stress and the fear of the unknown in our heads sometimes. Well, and so another thing about motivation is about connecting the activity with a cue. Mm -hmm. And when uh, I was traveling recently, I was taught the sun salutations, which is just Mm -hmm. a yoga flow. But this particular yoga flow helps to lubricate all of your joints. It helps to squish your inner organs, which is actually healthy for (laughs) you. Sounds uncomfortable, but it's probably great. (laughs) Yeah. But the cue for me is that moment in the morning, the very early morning when you first are conscious, I get up and I do it and I go back to bed. Mm. So the cue for me is the morning consciousness. But the um, motivator for me is I don't have to get up after that. (laughs) I can get up, go through the flows. um, I do it three or more times and get back into bed. Mm -hmm. So sometimes motivation is just tied to whatever cue you have. Some people will take brushing their teeth Mm -hmm. as a cue so that when they're brushing their teeth, they're going through maybe their three gratitude uh, ideas or how they're going to make today better. Some people, it will be in the shower. So you take what is a routine thing for you 
and you turn it into doing something that you know is good for you. Mm -hmm. And the way you described that your cue is that you're just wake, you're conscious, but then you still allow yourself to go back to bed if you need to. It makes it feel less of like you're compromising what you really want to do in order to get this done, which I think that moment of compromise can be such a deterrent for people that, yeah, they'll do it a couple of times, but then they just get sick of, oh, God, I'm awake now. So now I have to force myself to do these sun salutations. And now I'm starting my day before I'm ready to. Well, Susan Coos from Being Pucka, that's Mm -hmm. her organization. She was talking at a conference once about the vitality challenge. Mm -hmm. And it was, or at least the way I adapted it, it was you have to do 52 unique activities in a year. Mm -hmm. So on average, one a week. But the reason that I stuck with it was that I made an agreement with myself that if I did an activity whether it was exercise or rock climbing or dancing or whatever it was, and I didn't like it, I only had to do 20 minutes. <laughs> and and that allowed me to try things that I might not otherwise wanted to mm-hmm. have tried. And I rarely, if ever, stopped at 20 minutes, but it, it was that idea that I could. And I know people that they'll go to sleep in their gym clothes and they say, well, you wake up and you're wearing those. So then why not get up and exercise? That doesn't work for me. No, <laughs> doesn't sound appealing at all. No, because by the time I get to the gym, you're almost committed to doing an entire workout. And for me, I'm not that motivated. <laughs> so I don't do it. And that's every person's unique and find your ways Mm -hmm. to motivate yourself and what do you feel like were some of the top activities that you tried that you'd never done before um things like snowshoeing because i don't like the cold yeah (laughs) um and yet i was it was minus 40 when i did it but i was dressed for it Mm -hmm. i was with people that i like and it was a beautiful sunny day and it really wasn't that bad it really wasn't um as much energy as I thought it was going to be like as much effort. But um, yeah, so I did that I did rock climbing, I did um, uh, running up a, a, a hill with you in the rain. Oh, <laughs> yeah, was one of the activities <laughs> in Tofino. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was lots of different little things that um, I might not have chosen even the dance. Mm-hmm. I am about as coordinated as Oh, don't uh, sell yourself short. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. I, but but the dance, I really was awful at it, mm-hmm. but I was able to laugh through the yes. whole thing, right? And to have some fun with it. And yoga was always something that um, I felt awkward and strained doing. Mm-hmm. But because I did so many different types of yoga, I found the ones that really resonate with me. And I also found out that I was doing it wrong all those other <laughs> Um, so lots of things that yeah. that really bar um, okay. that type of exercise. I really liked it. I liked the music to it. Mm-hmm. I liked what it was. And yet I thought in advance that it was ballet. Oh, and, okay. and ballet, it was not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's just being open. Yeah. And I think it sounds like you went into all of these activities with an open heart and willing to accept what came from them. And it also takes me back to us being in Winnipeg and 
wanting you decided we'd go to the trampoline park as one of your activities. And I think we spent the whole 20 minutes just laughing and feeling like kids again. And it was so enjoyable. And I think we were everyone, every other adult there was with a child, but we were just four adults there having fun (laughs) together. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the thing about motivation. Um, Somebody said to me once that they understand that their initial response to being asked to engage in a social activity is no. Mm -hmm. They're an introvert. They don't want to bother. They don't want to go out there. But then they started to understand that when they were so-called forced Mm -hmm. by their friends to go, that they almost always had a good time. So they decided to flip it that their immediate response would be yes. And if they didn't like it, the next time they would say no to that particular (laughs) thing. And I think, yeah, that's a great way to um, get yourself out there. But we've talked about Mm self-motivation. Let's talk about motivation at work. Okay. Because I think leaders often um, misunderstand what motivates people. Mm -hmm. Some leaders think it's only money. And if you throw money at people, they'll work harder and faster. And then they're very disappointed when that doesn't actually change. Right. And it or it does for a while. Mm -hmm. But then people will go back to their set point. Um, I read a great book called Drive. And the author is Daniel Pink. And he really looked at a lot of the research and said that When we were working in an assembly line, when we were doing focused factory work, Mm -hmm. that the carrot and stick, so either the promise of a reward, like money or bling or whatever, or the threat of punishment, like discipline, actually worked. Because what happens is when we're focusing on external punishment or reward, our, our focus narrows. And so we focus more on what we're doing. And if you're making widgets, you will do more widgets at a higher quality. Mm -hmm. But when what you're asking people to do is to think critically, to communicate with others, to be creative or innovative, it's going to also narrow their focus, therefore reduce their capacity, Mm -hmm. reduce their effectiveness. And so his research said that we need to start thinking about other ways of motivating people. And he gives us three ideas. One is to increase autonomy, which is the desire for us to be Mm self-directed. The idea isn't that we say, okay, employee, you do whatever you want, and then you'll be happy. (laughs) Enjoy your day. (laughs) Right. The the idea is for the leader to say, this is specifically what I need from you. Now, how do you want to get that done? Mm -hmm. How do you feel you can best accomplish that task? And I want you to be creative. I want you to be innovative. I want you to think about what's going to work best for you, Mm -hmm. because it may not be the same way that Sarah gets that done in an effective way. He also talked about mastery and that all of us have an urge to feel good about what we can do and how we can do it. And everybody has different ways to gain mastery. What are some of the ways that you have increased your skill set over the years? 
Oh gosh, I feel like I'm really put on the spot right now. <laughs> um, I think public speaking, a hundred percent. I was that kid in grade school and high school where if I had to speak in front of a class, I'd have my cue cards and they would be shaking so badly I couldn't read what I wrote. And now, like, it's an everyday thing for me that I I have to get used to it. And yes, I still get those nerves. But I think it's just become a habit at this point. And how does that motivate you in your work? I think it motivates me because I've come to understand public speaking. I've taken away the fear aspect and I've almost taken away all of the like the threat of imposter syndrome coming out. And instead, I look at it as this is an opportunity for me to better understand how I can help other people. And so with public speaking, when I'm facilitating to groups, I always set aside time to help engage them in, well, what else do you need? What did we not think about today? And so it's like a growth and development opportunity for me too. Right. So as you master your skills, you're more motivated to share um, some of the things that you've learned, you're more motivated to do better at your work and to think about other people. Mm -hmm. And I think this is true, um, whether we're working in a coffee shop and we get to be better at blending coffee beans mm -hmm. or we get to be better at um, looking at the recipe for the whatever sandwiches that we're making and be creative about offering a special of the week. If we can give people that chance to become better at something and we recognize them for it, that's motivating. The third one that he has is purpose, which is the desire to do something that has meaning and is important. So we think about that um, often. And the story that you uh, asked me to tell all the time <laughs> is the one about my mom. Mm -hmm. And my mom was a janitor in a school. And people say, well, how could you ever feel you have purpose when what you're doing is cleaning up other people's dirt? Like, how does that give meaning to your life? And yet, the principal in that school turned to my mom and said, you are contributing to the quality of education these children are having. You're keeping them safe, you're keeping them healthy, and that allows them to enjoy their school experience more. So he gave meaning to what my mom did. But the other way that she had purpose is she didn't feel like the janitor in the school, she felt like one of the staff. Mm -hmm. And that's because the teachers, the secretary, the principal treated her like one of them, part of the group, part of the people who were making this school be a great school. And so I think that that lesson for all of us that are in leadership positions is that we have to take time to understand how someone really does contribute, how they really do make a difference, and understand that helping someone see the purpose is going to motivate them to want to do a better job, to want to do the best that they can. Yeah, hearing you share those three pieces, I had definitely thought about before the idea of purpose and, sorry, what was the first one? Uh, autonomy. Autonomy, yes. Those are like key pieces of motivation for myself when I'm at work. I hadn't really considered mastery before and how we don't necessarily take the time to really think about, you know, what are the key skills that I've learned from what I do? And how can I share those and help other people around me? How could I mentor maybe some coworkers? 
I also realized I was today's years old when I found out that the carrot and stick approach is not what I had thought for the past 31 years. <laughs> today's years old. Does that mean today you yeah, figured today that out? Yeah, I figured it out. That I had always imagined a carrot and stick, like, you know, the cart with the horse and <laughs> the stick is holding the carrot in front of it. I just thought, oh, that stick is just like a way to hold the carrot out, the motivator for the horse. And now I just realized that it could be used as a weapon. So yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing that and shedding light on it for me. <laughs> But thank you also for sharing that story about your mom. I think it's so important. And it also makes me think of when we talk about often return to works and accommodation and having an employee come back in, you always share how important it is for a leader to um, share the value of this employee, not only to the employee, but to show their coworkers how valuable that individual is. Because then you're just creating this amazing, positive, motivating culture within your team too. And so that's what it made me think of as well, is that when you're noticing someone's purpose and value and you're acknowledging it in front of their team members, they're also taking notice of it. So the resource that I want to share today that can help with all of this is building stronger teams. Mm -hmm. And it's available on Workplace Strategies website, but it has in the beginning really uh, activities for the leader to start to learn more ways to be motivating, to be supportive, to understand their employees better. But the second half of it are activities where we can share the values, the strengths that people bring into the workplace so that we can recognize them. And it's almost like the Pygmalion in the classroom, right? That idea that if we praise people, they want to live up to that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you say false things. But when you catch people doing something well, doing something kind, doing something um, innovative, creative, and you comment on it, especially in front of other people, that person wants to do more of that. They want to be that thing mm -hmm. that you just praise to be able to have that capacity. I love that idea too. So sorry, that resource was Building Stronger Teams, which is available on Workplace Strategies for MentalHealth.com. Again, in French or English, it's free. It's available for download. Um, so I, I love that resource too. And I think it's such a great way to build cohesion within a team. Um, for us to have, I think sometimes we don't give our staff the opportunity to have moments of self-reflection and understanding. I mean, we are in a chaotic um, work environment these days and it's go, go, go a lot and do more with less. So I think the more we can provide them with those opportunities to not only learn about themselves, but also about your coworkers, you're kind of bringing that human aspect back into the workplace and that we're not just each an employee number moving forward. Right. And I think the one thing that listeners need to understand is that it's only 15 minutes. It can be done in as little as 15 minutes in a team meeting. It doesn't have to be hours or days away from work. Yes, absolutely. Marianne, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about motivation um, and sharing some of the insights that you have. That book, Drive by Daniel Pink, I think it's such an amazing tool for leaders to digest. And even just those three key points around 
autonomy, mastery, and purpose are so important and very practical takeaways we can have from today's discussion. This is Sarah Jenner signing off on another episode of Noble Leaders Having Noble Conversations. 